Good evening, everyone. My name is Simon Barrett, and this is another edition of Journey into Justice, a chance to uh, delve into the, uh, well, oftentimes not well-known world of the legal system. As always, I'm joined by my very good friend, author and attorney, Mark Bellow. Mark, welcome to the program. Simon, as always, it's good to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Um, this week, um, I, I want to uh, take a look at something that actually happened last week, the um, uh, Supreme Court of the U.S. decided to uh, not uh, take on the uh, Remington Arms uh, case. It, it's interesting that the Supreme Court is... Uh, a pretty tricky critter at the best of times. Um, sometimes when they opt to not take a, a, a case is more telling than when they do want to uh, take on a, a case. Um, Mark, you're the expert. Maybe you could um, explain a little bit of about the uh, the case and the ramifications of the uh, Supremes saying, nope, we want nothing to do with this. First of all, sometimes the Supreme Court speaks in loud volumes when it says nothing. Well, and I... in this case, saying nothing, uh, refusing to hear a case, uh, speaks volumes about uh, victims' rights to pursue litigation in uh, gun manufacturing cases. Uh, in, in this particular instance, by the way, the uh, you mentioned that it happened last week. Uh, last week we discussed the Roger Stone uh, trial, and the day after last week's podcast, this decision came out. So we had to wait six days <laughs> to uh, have a discussion about this. It happened to fall on the day after uh, our our last conversation. Um, Speaking of Roger Stone, as I predicted last week, uh, he got convicted on every count uh, that he uh, uh, faced. So, uh, barring a barring a pardon from his buddy, the President of the United States, he's going to uh, spend some time in in a federal prison. Um, as to this situation. Um, you, you called it. You called it the Remington Arms case. Most people know this case uh, 
uh, as the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. It is the worst um, elementary school shooting in history. Um, 26 children and educators uh, in Newtown, Connecticut were killed. Uh, The shooter killed his mother at home before he uh, drove over to Sandy Hook. Uh, That's what the elementary school was called. And he killed 26 and 7-year-old kids and six teachers and then turned the gun on himself and killed himself. That happened almost seven years ago on December 14, 2012. The kid was 20 years old. He had uh, obviously some mental problems and uh, essentially the big issue in this case is a 2005 law that was signed into law by then President George W. Bush. And you can discuss that law if you'd like, uh, but that is the federal statute that uh, this case was based on. It's called the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. The short version is the PLCAA, Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. And that statute passed in 2005. And by the way, to be fair, it was um, voted on by many Republicans and also many Democrats. So it was a bipartisan um, favored law, and it has protected gun manufacturers from liability for crimes committed using their products. Uh, There are a few exceptions, um, a couple of exceptions um, relating to marketing and advertising of firearms. And as it turns out, those exceptions are uh, the key issues in the Supreme Court's um, denial of leave and uh, a key aspect uh, going forward for the Uh, various lawyers handling the Sandy Hook cases. Did I stun you you speechless, Simon? (laughs) You're stunned speechless, huh? (laughs) Might I ask a question? Um, sure. Who and why w- was this piece of legislation uh, sponsored? Um, I, I don't understand its purpose. I mean, surely no 
one would uh, want to sue a gun manufacturer because their weapons were used in uh, in an inappropriate way. Well, um, it was essentially a uh, the culmination of a very, very long campaign by, you guessed it, the National Rifle Association. <laughs> looking, so I was I was wondering how long it would be before their their name came up. <laughs> they were looking to create essentially blanket immunity uh, for gun companies from most liability lawsuits. Now, I, I want to distinguish this for you and the people. Um, guns are a little different than other products. Um, Even the 2005 law doesn't prevent somebody from suing uh, for uh, a defective gun. Defective products, or what is known in, in the legal industry as product liability, is alive and well in um, the gun industry and most other industries. There's a lot of uh, tort reform, uh, statutory limitations on people's ability to collect um, amounts of money in certain situations. Uh, Perhaps their recoveries are capped by an artificial number. But in most states, including uh, in federal court, you can pursue a product liability case. So, for instance, if a gun is manufactured in a way that it um, goes off without having to pull the trigger. If there's some kind of defect, even with the 2005 law, you were able to sue. The National Rifle Association would probably prefer complete blanket immunity, but even they acknowledge that a defective gun can be the subject of a lawsuit. What this law was designed to protect uh, were um, um, a, a whole ver- a whole variety of a whole variety of um, gun go ahead. arguments used in the uh, Sandy Hook uh, situation. Well, I'll get to I'll get to that in a second, but what 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 the 2005 Act was designed to do was prevent other types of lawsuits. For instance, um, you sell a gun, and somehow that gun winds up in the hands of a criminal. Can you sue the manufacturer of the gun or the seller of the gun for the acts of a criminal? 
that that kind of lawsuit um, does not exist in most other product liability type or product type litigation. Um, if you have a defective toy, loaning it to a bad kid <laughs> isn't isn't going to result isn't going to result in some terrible uh, crime being committed where someone is is killed like it does with a gun. So, right. Um, two things bothered me about the 2005 Act. One, it wasn't necessary. Um, as as I believe most tort reform is not necessary. You have judges, you have juries, you have lawyers, you have a Seventh Amendment in this country, which we need to talk about, by the way, because for the life of me, I don't understand the constitutional hypocrisy that exists out there in in politics. Uh, somehow the Second Amendment is sacrosanct, but the Seventh Amendment be damned. Do you know what the Seventh Amendment says, Simon? No, actually I don't. I um, I, I have heard of it, and I've had it explained to me, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is. I would bet that you're not alone and that the majority of people listening to this program have no idea what the Seventh Amendment stands for. And it doesn't seem to matter to people. And that drives me crazy. The Seventh Amendment says, basically, I'm not going to, I don't have a, a quote in front of me, but it basically says, similar to the Fourth Amendment, right to counsel, right to a jury trial, the Seventh Amendment says that a citizen has the right to pursue a civil action in court in front of a jury or a judge for any amount that exceeds $25. That's what it says. So the question that I have as a lawyer and as a citizen is it's pretty clear. The second amendment says that we have a right to bear arms. It doesn't say we have a right to carry an assault rifle. It doesn't say we have a right to shoot people or carry military weapons. It says we have a right to bear arms. The Seventh Amendment is much more clear. It says we have a right to sue people as long as the amount in controversy is over $25. So why can the legislature come around and pass laws that prevent us from suing people? Now, you may say, or, or, or a naysayer may say, and pre- uh, President George W. Bush said, I'll, I'll I'll read you something that he said. He said that the 2005 law was necessary to protect gun makers from quote frivolous lawsuits <laughs> that could that could bankrupt those companies. He likes that. He always liked that term, frivolous lawsuits. 
a lot of state legislators and governors, especially Republicans, like that term also. And they use it facetiously. What they'll say, for instance, is they'll say, we have to stop, quote, verbalist lawsuits, unquote, so let's place a cap on the recovery of damages so that we can prevent those frivolous lawsuits. Now, I'm not a genius. Uh, I don't know what uh, what your IQ is, whether it's a genius level or not, but it doesn't take a genius to realize that a, quote, frivolous lawsuit, unquote, does not need a cap on damages. When someone says frivolous and cap in the same sentence, they're lying to you. The purpose of a cap is to prevent serious lawsuits from achieving a high number. They're not to prevent frivolous lawsuits. You would need a bottom cap, right? That $25 figure would be a frivolous lawsuit. If you put a $250,000 cap on a million-dollar case, you're not preventing frivolity. You're preventing a serious case from getting serious money. And that's what this act attempts to do, prevent people from pursuing their rights in court. And it's unconstitutional and contrary to the Seventh Amendment. All tort reform is. Uh, that's my biggest problem with these kinds of laws. Um, to answer your question, though, it was an effort to prevent gun manufacturers and gun sellers from liability in primarily the commission of criminal acts. Um the, uh, the National Rifle Association was ecstatic when the law was passed, uh, um, and they lobbied for it uh, for well over 20 years. Uh, it, it really, um, you know, you, you asked me what its purpose was. It had no purpose. It, it had a purpose of protecting gun companies, and screwing citizens. That's the purpose. <laughs> by, the, by the way, uh, uh, I'm being a little cynical. The prior to 2005, uh, if, if a victim was, was either injured or killed, by firearm violence, uh, they were able to, to pursue a lawsuit uh, against manufacturers and dealers on the grounds that those manufacturers and dealers could have or should have foreseen that their products would be used uh, for criminal purposes. So if a criminal... Um, 
if a criminal used a Remington gun, let's say, in the act of a crime, uh, at least theoretically, based on whether the judge or the jury bought the argument, um, there was at least an opportunity to pursue Remington or any other gun manufacturer for damages for negligently selling their product to a criminal. Um, And that's essentially what this act was designed to prevent. Um, Even with the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, um, you can still, like I said, sue a manufacturer dealer for a defective product, for their own criminality, for breach of contract. Uh, Let's say they said the the gun was a certain caliber and it wasn't that caliber. It doesn't prevent you from suing them for lying to you, um, things like that. But in the sense that um, some other person takes the gun and harms someone, the question about uh, whether you can pursue litigation for that was decided uh, or was ended by this 2005 law. That's what it was for. So, a, a little bird whispered in my ear that um, you just happened to be working on a book that <laughs> just by chance um ventures into this uh, arena, would you care to uh, expand? Well, the the book, uh, there are three books right now uh, on the market in my Zachary Blake legal thriller series, Betrayal of Faith, Betrayal of Justice, and Betrayal in Blue. The fourth book is going to be coming out uh, pre-order in uh, December. That is called Betrayal in Black. Uh, In about a month or two, uh, my fifth book, Betrayal High, um, will be released. And the book... um, happens to be right on point with this issue. Uh, the um, A young man breaks into his father's, his negligent father's gun cabinet, which is glass. It's pretty easy to break into. Uh, takes a couple of guns out of the, out of the gun cabinet goes to his high school and begins to to shoot uh, all of the kids uh, that he comes into contact with, especially those who have mercilessly bullied him 
high school career. So the book is not only about the topic of gun violence in school, but also the side topic of bullying in school. The novel takes a realistic look at how our local and school communities would handle such an event. It takes a look at how the civil and criminal justice system would handle such an event and deal with these issues. And it also takes a look at the 2005 law. It didn't predict the Supreme Court decision, but I don't think it really matters in the context of what we're talking about. But um, how the threat of liability might detour the abhorrent behavior of gun manufacturers. Um, it must not be news to you that guns are pretty easy to obtain. They're thrown out in the marketplace. Uh, you can buy them at gun shows and markets and and flea markets or what have you. Um, it's pretty easy to obtain a gun permit. And uh, the Availability and ease of availability of guns um, is something that gun manufacturers have lobbied for for years, uh, including this 2005 law. So the book takes a very um, careful look at uh, a school shooting and the aftermath both in the criminal and civil justice systems in the community at large and in the school community. It's quite an interesting novel. And, I'm, and candidly, I'm kind of proud of it. <laughs> let me, let, let me ask you a, um, uh, an absolutely philosophical question. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a question I've been wanting to ask someone. It didn't matter who, but it, it's just a question that I've been wanting to ask for years and years. Why is it that gun owners and Second Amendment um, zealots are all Republican. Well, I don't. I don't think that's true. Um, <laughs> I, I, I. Okay, just most of them. I, I think. I, I think it's. I, I, I just don't think that's true. I, I, I think that if you if you looked at. Um, at this legislatively, I don't have the statistics in front of me as to who voted for um, the 2005 law, but I'll tell you something that might surprise you. One of the congressmen who voted in favor of the law, he was a congressman back then, was 
a gentleman by the name of Bernie Sanders. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, Bernie Sanders, the perennial presidential candidate, independent, <laughs> who who many people call a socialist. Uh, he's so liberal. Um, Bernie Sanders voted for the 2005 law. Um, now, to your point, um, uh, by the way, back to Bernie for a second. Um, Bernie's argument, and uh, I think it will resonate with some people, Bernie basically said if somebody has a gun and it falls in the hands of a murderer and the murderer kills somebody with that gun, do you hold the gun manufacturer responsible? Now, your natural inclination is to say, if you're you're somebody like me, yes. But Bernie went on and asked a second question. If somebody, a murderer, was holding a hammer and he took the hammer and beat someone to death over the head with it, would you hold the hammer company liable? That kind of changes the argument a bit, doesn't it? Oh, yes, indeed. Um... A nail file turned turned into a weapon. Changes the argument. The issue, though, uh, as it relates to Bernie and everybody else, is they're not the same. A hammer is not an inherently dangerous product. A hammer is not made with the intent to shoot a bullet into something. A gun is. So the seller and manufacturer of a gun has, in my mind, a much greater responsibility to police how that product is made how safe it is, what safety devices it has, and, drumroll, to a degree who it is sold to. Much more so than a hammer or a nail file. Um, But to your point, yes, uh, more Republicans support the Second Amendment than Democrats. Um, I have to tell you, I, I support the Second Amendment because it's a constitutional provision, and I support the Constitution. I don't like guns. I don't see why people need them. I wouldn't mind if 66 senators got together and repealed the Second Amendment. But it's just as important 
as a constitutional amendment as the Seventh Amendment is. What I don't like is that you have this constitutional hypocrisy out there where everybody says how important it is that we have a right to bear arms, but nobody says we have this Seventh Amendment constitutional provision that says we have a right to sue people. Everybody ignores that, A, and B, everybody is willing to limit it. And I, for the life of me, don't understand that. Every constitutional provision is important except that one. We can restrict people's rights to sue. We can, we can restrict how much money people get. We can restrict access to justice. We can restrict people's right to go to court. We can restrict whether or not you have a right to a jury trial. That's not what the Seventh Amendment says. I'll repeat myself. The Seventh Amendment says we have a right to sue people in front of a judge or a jury civilly for all amounts that exceed $25. I don't know what could be more clear. So who gives a legislator a right to restrict the Seventh Amendment? Every, every piece of tort reform legislation should be ruled unconstitutional, every one of them, including this one. And people, you know, people will say, well, that's crazy. Why should you have a right to uh, sue a gun manufacturer if a criminal shoots somebody? And the answer is maybe you don't. Maybe the circumstances are such that that lawsuit will not prevail. I'm not quarreling with that. I'm quarreling with who decides that, the legislature or the judge or a jury? The answer is, this is a judicial branch issue. It is not a legislative branch issue. And that's the problem. So this this law um, creates rather draconian limits on what a citizen who is killed or hurt by a gun can do. By the way, one thing we haven't discussed, and I'm ready to discuss it if you'd like, is what those exceptions are and what this Supreme Court ruling does to allow this lawsuit to go forward. Yes, please please do uh, expand. <laughs> okay. Um, what essentially happened here is the Sandy Hook families, keep in mind um, the time sequence. Sandy Hook happened in 2012. The Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act was signed into law in 2005. So Sandy Hook didn't happen until seven years after the act. So now you have 26 kids, or 20 kids rather, and, and six adults 
being killed and potentially having a lawsuit against Remington Arms. Um, considering that this 2005 Act exists, how do they pursue this litigation? Because this litigation protects gun manufacturers from liability for crimes committed with their product. Well, the Act has two exceptions. And one of those exceptions related to the marketing and the advertising of those firearms. The Sandy Hook families claimed in their lawsuit that Remington Arms marketed the military-style rifle used by the young boy. His name was Lenza, uh, I believe. Um, the, he was a 20-year-old kid, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, it was a military-style rifle he used, and they marketed that rifle for, quote, use in assaults against human beings, unquote. The advertising, according to the lawsuit, was aimed at young people. They placed ads in video games and used slogans that included, quote, consider your man card reissued, unquote. So lawyers went to court and argued that Remington's advertising exploited essentially the fantasies of young kids with guns mowing down the opposition and causing people to essentially succumb to their will um, using an assault style rifle will um, cause you to be omnipotent and overpower anybody, even a, 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 a large number of people. Um, you are you are essentially the man. That's what their um, marketing was, and essentially what this amounts to according to the lawyers is you look at the kind of person who is targeted by that kind of an ad and they are what you and I would consider potentially high risk users of these kinds of products uh, an AR-15 for crying out loud so you're essentially targeting the highest risk of all and challenging him or her to buy this weapon. And that advertising is happens to be one of the exceptions, or at least an arguable exception, 
in the 2005 law. So that's the that was the battle line. Um, the the company argued that they would be put out of business essentially with uh, expanding litigation this way. But they acknowledged that the Connecticut lawsuit was probably the bellwether lawsuit for future firearms litigation in the country. Um, I didn't mention this, but this whole thing developed when the uh, Supreme Court of Connecticut agreed with a lower court judge that Uh, that kind of an argument could be made in this litigation. Uh, The Supreme Court also agreed, the Connecticut Supreme Court also agreed that one element of the case that could not be tried was the family's argument that Remington had negligently entrusted a weapon of war to an untrained civilian population. So um, if you look at the law, just the fact that the gun ends up in the kid's hand isn't enough to create liability to Remington. What caused the Supreme Court to decline to opine on this case is this notion of marketing the guns to uh, those elements like young Mr. Lanza uh, who um, were not properly trained or in the proper frame of mind or of proper mind to own such a weapon. And that's essentially what we have here. One of their taglines, Simon, was, if it's good enough for the military, it's good enough for you. How's that trick? <laughs> I love it. I I I am not a um a, a gun person. Uh yeah, no, so I fired a couple mainly uh 12 gauges and uh my uh targets have have been uh clay pigeons. A lot of fun until the next morning and uh the huge amount of bruising, you know, as a result of firing off uh you know, a couple of hundred rounds. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I I, I have no uh, beef with people having guns. I What I do have beef with is 
people killing other people indiscriminately um, for absolutely no good reason, which, which is, you know, 99% of uh, mass shootings that uh, we have these days. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. I Personally, I think it's way too easy to uh, get a gun. And I, I think uh, the NRA's, um, you know, uh, blanket uh, statement about, um, you know, it's not guns that, pick, that kill, yeah, it's people that kill is absolute hogwash. But, oh well, you know, uh, well, it the, is the, the whole it is. The whole thing is, the whole thing is doublespeak. Uh, if you go back to 2005, the 2005 Congress claimed that gun litigation and proposed liability would expand liability in a manner never contemplated by the framers of the Constitution. That's essentially their argument for passing this law. That is bullshit. And again, they ignored the Seventh Amendment. And also, by the way, they used the Constitution over and over and over again to get this 2005 law passed. They shouted about other constitutional amendments. They argued, for instance, that that expansion of liability in gun cases would deprive citizens of their 14th Amendment right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> now, give me, a, give me a break. What product could possibly cause more disruption to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness than an assault rifle? <laughs> it's, it's political doublespeak at its very best. And the fly specking that they that they did over this <laughs> constitutional amendment, where one where one longstanding amendment, the second, or the fourteenth, or the fifth, if you want to talk about commerce, is more important than the seventh. That's what they said was the reason why we needed a new law. They wanted to prohibit causes of action against manufacturers, distributors, and dealers, or even importers of firearms and trade associations for the harm caused by criminal or lawful or unlawful misuse of firearm products. That's what the purpose of the act was. Um, and, and then they start if you look at the law, I'm looking at it right now. To preserve a citizen's access to a supply of firearms and ammunition for all lawful purposes, including hunting, self-defense, collecting, and competitive or recreational shooting. Now, why do you need this for that? You already have the Second Amendment. It already does this. You don't need a new law that does this. The Second Amendment does this. Then they go on to say, right. to guarantee a citizen's rights, privileges, and immunities 
as applied to the states under the 14th Amendment. The Equal Protection Clause? Why? This guarantees are already in the 14th, and it doesn't apply here. What about the protections of the equal protection of citizens to not be needlessly shot to death? What about their right to be to sue people in civil court? Why are these other important amendments always ignored in these debates? It drives me nuts. Then they argue that if you prevent these kinds of lawsuits, it will unburden interstate and foreign commerce in guns. Now, that's a Fifth Amendment argument and a crock of shit. Why is it unreasonable... Why is it an unreasonable burden on commerce to hold a manufacturer liable for its marketing speech if that speech encourages criminality? Why? They even they even argued the First Amendment, if you can believe it. They said manufacturers, distributors, and dealers have the right to speak freely and assemble peacefully and petition the government for a redress of their grievance. This is hilarious. These people are going to spout the First Amendment and then take away a family's right to criticize them using the First Amendment or sue them using the Seventh? What a joke. But that's, those are the justifications, the constitutional justifications that they espoused for passing this legislation. Right. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. And, you know, we the people just continue to ignore this stuff. Until it happens to us, everybody completely ignores it. By the way, every case that was in court at the time that this law passed was dismissed. The law mandated that cases currently pending in court at the time of the passage of the law in October of 2005, I believe it was, um, would be dismissed. Oh, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's that's a handy uh, thing, isn't it? It's it's just mind blowing. I'll give you another little tidbit. Remember we talked about design defects? I told you that 
a person could still sue if the gun was defective, right? Right. Get a load of this. Get a load of this. If the gun was defective, let's say it went off accidentally. It had a hair trigger or something. But the accident happened during the commission of a criminal act. This law says that the victim, even though the victim isn't the criminal, this law says that the criminal act is the superseding cause and the victim cannot sue the manufacturer. He can only sue the criminal. Now go try to collect money for your damages from a criminal. <laughs> Mark, this I'm, is the kind of this is, you can't make this you can't make this you, up, Simon. But I'm having real problems with my phone. It's just uh, going in and out. So I, I know it's a, a, a couple of minutes early, but I'm going to have to uh, wrap this program up just because Sorry. I I can't I, I can't hear what's going on. I, um, I'm hearing you fine. Next week I'll um, make sure I have a new phone. <laughs> so, um, do you want to give us your uh, parting thoughts for the week? My part, my parting thoughts are: go on, go online to markambello.com and take a look at my books and hopefully purchase them. Um, do not let the federal government or the state government ram tort reform or any other kind of anti-justice, anti-Seventh Amendment legislation down your throat. Fight for your rights, ladies and gentlemen. We the people run this country, not the politicians. Have a great evening. And this is Simon Barrett wishing everyone a happy healthy and safe week we'll be back again next Monday same time and who knows what we'll be talking about but I'll guarantee it will be interesting until then goodbye bye everybody <laughs>